0: Once again to Houndstooth Heroes. My name is Greg Dawkins and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Ellis Metz. If you are new to the program, you can find us on the website, houndstoothheroes.com, on Facebook or on Twitter at H-Tooth Heroes. Quick programming note, we are adding Staff Like Crazy and you can catch some of their stuff on the website. Uh, for instance, Pete Carroll was right. It's a webcast where they can break down the uh, game far better than we ever could, and you can also catch Will Watley's game roundups over on the website. Uh, also, we would not be here if it were not for the good people at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce fresh off a of Best in Show Award at the World Hot Sauce Awards. So congrats to a of the program with Bill Howard, keeping us in tasty sauces all day long. Bill has added a sweet and spicy sauce to the lineup, and you can find him at wildbillsauce.com and everywhere BamaWise products are found.
1: That is correct, Gregory. And another special thank you to our good friends at Druid City Brewing in Tuscaloosa who also keep us in the tastiest of sauces. Switched up a little there. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Big news on the DCB front. Did you see this week that the sign for the Moonwinks Lodge is officially for sale?
0: I did see that, and mm-hmm. I saw that Bo Hicks and Elliot Roberts, owners of Druid City Brewing, may be looking at a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe to buy it. Which I can't think of a better place in the world for the Moonwinks Lodge sign to
1: be than at Druid City Brewing. I agree wholeheartedly. So we hope our heroes will support them in those endeavors. Uh, speaking of our friends there, what you got on tap tonight, Greg? Well, you know, I had that plan. You know, as plans tend to go with me. Yes. They fall by the wayside.
0: I was planning on, you know, drinking the tears of the of the fallen uh, for the previous week. But the problem is you can't really find a good Ohio beer in Orange Beach, Alabama. So as things go in my life, that whole plan went to hell. And now I'm just having a sweet water IPA. What about you? Okay.
1: Uh, similarly, I just sort of had to go with what was closest to my hand at the time, so I'm drinking one of my favorite tequilas, a nice Don Julio, or as I like to call him, Mr. Donnie Jules himself. Very, very nice. Ah, uh-huh. uh, Speaking of drinking, big news That's of the conference cool.
0: this week. As LSU has fired Head Coach Les Miles, and the Coach O, Ed Orgeron, <laughs> has stepped in as his interim. We are pleased to have a drinker of some repute and LSU man Rob Brown join us on the podcast to talk about the firing and to where LSU goes from here first as we do with all our guests we need to know from you Rob Brown what beverage are you enjoying tonight uh tonight is the laid back drink it's
2: a beachy night and by that I mean I hate my real job so I'm just kind of taking it easy I'm going with the uh going with the Captain Moore's uh Captain uh, Morgan Spiced and Sprite it gives you that nice uh Kind of cream soda taste, but just enough to let you know that there's some booze in there. Uh it's it's kind of my relaxing outside drink, if you will.
0: Perfection,
1: perfection. All right, it. let's
0: get onto the topic at hand, my friend. You wanna you wanna talk about that?
1: Yeah, I'll get into it. So uh let's start with I guess the most basic question about the LSU Les Miles departure. Agree or disagree? Yes. That, that's the that's the best way I can put it. It's uh, it, it, I've gone back
2: and forth about this because on one hand I understand since the three game meltdown middle of last year between the Bama Arkansas and Ole Miss loss, and then of course all the issues that they faced against those three teams. But simultaneously, the player support, the recruiting, the success. I mean, as I as I told somebody on my show this morning, as a matter of fact. I can think of probably 100 schools that would love to have the failure that LSU has had over the past four or five years. They would kill to be as terrible as Les Miles has been in the past few years. But at the same time, LSU is a team with very high expectations. And, and I, I don't know if it's fair to set the expectations at they want to be Bama. And as an LSU fan, it pains me on the inside a little bit to even say that sentence as a possibility. But I think they do. I think they are setting the bar with if we're not keeping up with what's happening, happening in Tuscaloosa, then we are failing right now. And as much as the failure, quote-unquote, has been the last three, four, five years in a row, it's still pretty good failure. It's not on that level that LSU fans got accustomed to at the beginning, and I think that's the problem.
1: Yeah, agreed. And And again, I mean, the guy had an above 700 winning percentage – uh, better than any LSU coach ever, but at the end of the day was 2-7 and seven against Alabama, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, which if you're going to compete in the West, that those are just got to have games.
2: Yeah, that is the competition. And, and again, I mean, it's funny that you mention that because those three teams are the exact three teams in the order that you mentioned that they lost last year. Honestly, if they don't have that, and honestly, I believe one of the things that kept Les Miles' jobs last year was the players carrying him off the field yeah. after their last win. If they don't do that and he doesn't have that show of support at the end of the year, I honestly think Les Miles is gone at the end of last year. But I think that, honestly, at that point, it was so late in the in the, in the season, at least in terms of trying to start negotiations with the next coach, that they kind of – I think they knew Les was Les's – unless something magical happened, this was his last year one way or the other. And while the Auburn game, I think, certainly uh, was the nail in the coffin, so to speak, I honestly think they knew that was coming after the Wisconsin game. They wanted to maybe put it off a little bit, but they wanted to be in the hunt early enough to know that some of these coaches that are going to be available at the end of this year, they wanted them to know LSU is in the mix right now. And I I honestly think this was as much a a move based around
1: strategy, if I may, as anything else. You always may. And that's a very good point. I think um, sort of unfortunately, or, or maybe ironically, it's it's come about too late that Wisconsin could just be a really good team. They had a huge win against Michigan State this past weekend. Uh, they're about to hit their home stretch of their schedule, and we'll find out. Uh, but that, that loss was very ugly to start the season. Um, I want to take you back, though. Let's look even farther back than just uh early september i guess to 2011 because really in the years leading up to that alabama and lsu was a very even rivalry lsu of course won that won the sec made it to the national championship game there may have been a game at the end of that season i'm not sure if you recall uh what happened from that point on in your opinion
2: Well, I I think it became a matter of offensive inconsistency, and they just never found an answer for it. I mean, you can go back to quarterback struggles, post-national championship, and there always seemed to be. And this is something that I think has continued from them all the way till now with that that inconsistency. It's a matter of less went and got athletes that would be really good for a spread offense. He went and got dual purpose quarterbacks. He went and got those fast down the field receivers and he brought them all to Baton Rouge and then he ran a pro style offense. And even if you have guys like Fournette, the rest of the offense and I know we're we're talking 2011, but I think this is just kind of uh, something that has been a trend since then. Even with stud running backs, when you have spread style and, and wide open style offensive talent, running inside of a pro-style offense, it's not going to work. And for whatever reason, Les just never adapted. You know, one of the things I've always said about Nick Saban is that Nick Saban may may not be the best in-game adapter, but he's got the team ready to win before the game kicks off. Jimbo Fisher's kind of the other way around. We've seen Florida State come into how many games, like they look terrible at halftime, and then at halftime, they make all the adjustments and they look spectacular. Well, Les Miles is a guy that recruited really good talent and then wasn't really to, able to adapt either way, either in-game or before games, to get comfortable. And I, I think that that started a trend in 2011, and I think it's been happening since then. All
1: right. That's what sort of strikes me, though, is that after that 2011 National Championship game, the joke was about Jarrett Lee not getting in. And, and it, it shined a light on the fact that there was just this inflexibility, and sort of an ineptitude at the quarterback position, and it's 2016 now, and that has not seem to be addressed at all, uh, which I think, from my point of view, would have to be one of the most frustrating things for an LSU fan, because you've had so many receivers come through, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., um, right now Malachi Dupree, all these studs, that have left LSU with not the the brand that Julio Jones and AJ Green and these other SEC guys are getting. Yeah, and I think again that's symptomatic of exactly
2: what we talked about when 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 LSU runs less miles offense, they don't get that production, and a lot of it has to do with exactly what you talked about, that inconsistency at quarterback. And I mean the 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 carousel of quarterbacks that have come through there And you can't tell me that if you had a Jimbo Fisher or a Nick Saban or somebody else in that mix that could produce consistency out of their quarterbacks, could produce NFL draft picks out of their quarterbacks, that one of those guys since 2011 wouldn't have been able to produce one effective season. And it just didn't happen. And, And you just named, again, a laundry list of really talented offensive skill players that have come through there. And never were given a, a genuine chance to truly succeed. And I, I, unfortunately, as much as I like Les Miles, as much as I think he's a good dude, he's fun. I think he's he's got you know all the things you want out of a good coach. The the refusal to adapt to what he had was ultimately his undoing in Baton Rouge.
0: All right. Well, uh, real quick question, Rob. Before, well, before we get to where LSU goes from here, Talk about leading candidates. You mentioned your show, and we're nothing if, if not about, um, you know, plugging shamelessly anybody else's show. Talk to me a, bit, a little bit about what you've got going on right now.
2: Sure. Well, I am, as a matter of fact, right now I'm actually hosting a, a news talk and politics show, which as of this year might be the only thing that has people more angry around the clock than college <laughs> football does Uh, which is on uh, 1260 a.m. here in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, my little slice of paradise. But I'm actually in the midst of of bringing back my own podcast very soon, which I'll have you guys on soon. I call it up too late sports because I always record it way too many jacking Cokes deep into the evening, uh, which is why I like your style very, very much, fellas. Uh, So that'll be coming up soon. And I'll actually start posting that again on my Twitter account, which is at the Rob Brown show at the Rob Brown show. I talk politics on the radio but, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as you two fellas know, it's mostly, uh, mostly booze and football on the Twitter account.
0: Fantastic. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, the, num- the names we're hearing, I'll just read them out to you and let you, get, let you respond to each of them as you may. Uh, obviously, we're hearing about Tom Herman. We're hearing about Bobby Petrino. We're hearing about Jimbo Fisher. And unfortunately, we're hearing about Art Bryles. Tell me what you think, my friend. Uh, Art Bryles and,
2: and, and, that possibility, uh, makes me throw up in my mouth just right. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, how, how, how far down the road do you want to go? How desperate are you to sell your soul in order to have success? Are you willing to stand in front of the SEC and basically accept the role of Ric Flair? We're the bad guy and we know it but we don't care because to be the man, you got to beat the man. I mean, if you're willing to accept that that 1980s wrestler hero persona of "yet yeah, we're the bad guy and we know it," then Art Briles would be a great hire. I think the majority of fans would hate it up until he won a championship because that's what college football fans do. But uh, Bobby Petrino is kind of the name that is kind of right there in the middle. Obviously, he had the meltdown in Arkansas. Uh, he got his uh, he got his second chance. They're Louisville and obviously, obviously doing incredible things with it. Uh, you're talking about a $10 million buyout with that guy, though, and that's the price that was paid when he got that second chance, was if anybody tried to take him away from Louisville, they were coming out of pocket. The good news for LSU is that there's a very short list of schools that you hate to say money is no object. Bama's one, Texas one, Florida, Ohio State, Southern Cal, LSU, maybe two or three more if we racked our brains, Michigan uh, but there's really a handful of teams where money is no object, and LSU probably would be one. And I think that puts Bobby Petrino in the mix more for LSU than it does a handful of other schools. You'll wonder if he is a, a, you know, a, a changed man, if he's had his renaissance after his second chance was given to him at Louisville. But I think he's way up there on the possibility list as well. Uh, As far as the the guy that I expect them to really go after but I don't expect to leave is probably Jimbo Fisher from Florida State. And it's not so much that LSU can't provide him the opportunity for success. It's that what he has at Florida State – Arguably provides an easier route to the national championship. He doesn't have to fight in recruiting in Florida. Yeah, he's got to go fight uh, go fight the Gators, and you know, Bama, Auburn, LSU all kind of have their inroads to Florida. But for the most part, northern Florida, southern Georgia, uh, that area that's 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 pretty easy pickings for Jimbo Fisher. And of course, and I say this uh, as a guy who actually went to Florida State, the ACC as of right now is getting better. But it's not the SEC. He does not have to clear the path to the playoff that he would if he was in the SEC West especially. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, it's a top five program as LSU in my opinion. But but the, the built-in advantages at Florida State are, are are pretty much there. So I think that Jimbo's probably staying. Really interesting name that I'd like to see FSU pursue. I don't think he would leave as Davo Sweeney. At Clemson, Mm. yeah, I mean, Clemson, if if he was in another school, maybe. But Clemson, since Dabo took over, has basically molded that entire program around him. And I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, I think that Dabo knows that Alabama comes calling the second that Nick Saban decides to hang it up. And who knows when that's going to be. But if Dabo can look and go, okay, I can stay at Clemson where I'm in the ACC. My only competition is Florida State, maybe Miami down the road a little bit. And they give me everything exactly the way that I want it. And then I get to go take over whenever Nick Saban leaves. And let's be honest, he's not going to leave that program in shambles. Or I can go down to Baton Rouge. I can fight Nick Saban directly. I can fight for recruiting. I can fight in the SEC West. I think Dabo's got it pretty good where he sits right now.
0: It's interesting that you brought up Dabo Sweeney because in Alabama there are two very distinct camps on that guy. And I happen to know – I was in Alabama when Dabo was there. I kind of know him. He lived in the same building as I did. And I – you know, there are lots of people who are not – and it may play better at LSU than it would at Alabama because there are a lot of people who just don't like Dabo the Clown. And – And I think that clown atmosphere may work better at LSU than it ever would at Alabama. I personally am a a pro Debo guy just because, you know, there are exactly two people who have won more than ten games in the last five years. One is Nick Saban, the other is Debo Sweeney. So I I don't care if he's wearing clown shoes if he wins games. Uh, But I I think, you know, and let's face it, Les was something of a clown himself. So, uh, you know, that aesthetic may fit in Baton Rouge fairly well. That's an interesting concept. Here's, here's my question for you. Let me
2: ask you this, and, and I don't want to, you know, I certainly want to keep this LSU focused for now, but as far as that goes, that's a really interesting concept, and I've heard that before. My theory is this the only atmosphere that college football fans care about is winning. And if Dabo comes into Alabama and he starts winning 11, 12 games and gets some national championships, I think Bama fans would very – I understand that you guys are are very – it's the process, and that's what we've heard about Nick Saban. And and good Lord, yeah, because it's worked better than anybody else in the country. So, of course, the Alabama fans adopt the mentality. But if Dabo came in there, and he was the clown, and he was the funny guy, and high energy, and, and always in good spirits, and all that, and he came in and he started winning football games the way Nick Saban football games, don't you think you'd get over it pretty quick?
1: Pretty quickly, yeah. I yeah, hate a pizza party, so. though. Hate a pizza party.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean... <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, that's that's interesting. But, uh, you know, and you're right. I, I think character-wise he would fit in perfectly at LSU. But at the end of the day, Jack, that paycheck gets signed based on one thing, and it's winning football games. And it's right. going to be easier to win at Clemson than LSU, and it's going to be easier to win at Bama than LSU if and when Nick Saban hangs him up and Debo Sweeney is still on the table as a possibility.
1: This is a hot take. Two quick points, and then we're going to get to uh, the front runner that we haven't touched. Uh, number one, I would just love to hear your thoughts. Is Bryles due a major college football head coaching gig in the next, let's say, three years? and And specifically, do you see him in the SEC sooner rather than later? Oh,
2: that is such a tough question and, and and I mean it's if you're talking simply what he's done on the field, then obviously yeah, oh yeah, but if you take into account all that's happened off the field, I'll put it this way: Whatever school and you can you can play the sympathy card. Hey, everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody can be healed. everybody can come around. he recognizes his mistakes. I mean it's the real life version of I've been hacked, right like the guy. <laughs> The guy came around and he figured his life out and he found Jesus and whatever other things he needs to find to get better. But the reality is whoever picks him up is going to make a lot of enemies because there are a lot of people who just are not going to forgive him for what he allowed to happen at Baylor, allowed to happen knowingly at Baylor. So, it, it, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you have to, I think, when you accept Art Briles as your coach – are going to have to accept the bad guy role. You are going to become the school that so many people love to hate. And Greg, you and I go a, go a long ways back when we talk about this. I have watched you as a Bama fan accept the bad guy role in some Absolutely. situations Don't and just care. say, hey, you know what? You can come at me if you want, but you got to walk through this wall of trophies to get to me. <laughs> Whatever school gets our bryles is taking the risk that they are assuming that identity And they are going to assume that risk in order to trade it for trophies. So the question is, how much of the Ric Flair do you want to be versus the team that goes, you know what? We need to to keep our soul before we need trophies. And that's, again, if you're an athletic director, you are going to get paid by the win, not by the moral decision. We saw that with Randy Shannon in Miami. So how do you handle that situation? And that's going to be up to every one of them to
1: decide. Yeah, that's interesting, and I'll just add two points that I think, hopefully, I I literally pray, keep Alabama away from that. I think the Jonathan Taylor, the the highly publicized Jonathan Taylor experiment where Saban stuck his neck out for someone who had been a uh, proven maker of very terrible decisions uh, and got burned on that one, I think would influence that decision. And then I've got to say, Briles' interview on college game day was so uh, unconvincing. It, it just was everything that I would have advised him not to portray. That I, I think uh, anybody who watches that has to really, really, really question how much. Oh, funny me. yeah.
2: I, you know, I watch it, and it's so funny you said that because, as a matter of fact, I was sitting down with a couple of friends when I saw that, and one of the things I said to one of my buddies was. That guy sounds exactly like the guy that would allow the things to happen that Art Bryles allowed to happen. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's the tone of voice that I expect from a guy who did what Art Bryles did. There was no, there was no sincere. Oops, my bad. There just wasn't that moment. Yeah. And and again, if I'm an AD. If there – if I detect sincerity, sincerity in the apology, then maybe I can start looking at it and going, all right, you know what? We feel like we can embrace sympathy. We feel like we can build that character and – but there was none of it. I mean that – you want to talk about a guy – If that was a good time for him to beg for a job and he failed miserably. He seemed like a guy who was saying, I got away with it and I'm good with
1: that. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent agreed. Uh, Changing the subject to something, I guess, a little more fun to discuss. Uh, The big news today, and big is a relative term, uh, was about this LSU jet that touched down in Morgantown, West Virginia. You got any stock in that?
2: Uh, I actually, no, I I, I got nothing because I read the same thing, uh, and it came as a complete (laughs) and total surprise to me. Uh, now, I'll tell you this. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me to find out uh, that uh, the Joe Leiva and company uh, were going to do whatever they could do to help Les Miles. It would not shock me mm-hmm. to find out that they you know, they kind of let him go with that Les. You knew that this was coming. You knew that this was not only a possibility but a probability. And so what we're going to do is whatever we can do to help you get back. Because one of the very first things Les Miles said is, I'm not going to be away from this game very long. Uh, you know, he almost, he almost went so far as the, the Bobby Bowden, uh, you know, I've got nothing else to, to, to do except coach route. And so it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Oliva said, hey, I'll tell you what, we'll, give you, we'll let you the borrow the jet to fly where you need to fly. We'll let you use the office to do what you need to do. Uh, I, I think Miles maybe, maybe knew that this was coming. The Auburn game was just a really convenient excuse to pull the trigger. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me to, to to find out that LSU just said, "Hey, man, if you want to if you want to take the jet up to uh, to West Virginia, go nuts." But again, Daniel Holgerson's three and zero. The Virginia uh, the, the the Mountaineers don't look terrible, so that's kind of a uh, kind of an interesting uh, interesting development. All
0: right, really? we're well, moving on to the, the the hot name, I guess, yeah. that everybody's talking about. And there's been a development on this front today that I'll talk about before we get to Tom Herman. Uh, the, you know, there were, everybody's been talking about Big Twelve expansion, Big Twelve expansion, Big Twelve expansion, and the hot. Obviously, the one of the top names on that expansion list is the Houston Cougars, coached by Tom Herman. Uh, today, Oklahoma has come out and pretty much said no. We don't want to expand anymore, uh, which pretty much leaves uh, Houston flopping in the wind. Uh, and so that's not good news for Houston, but it makes Tom Herman a lot more available and probably a lot more willing to jump from Houston, from Houston to, let's say, LSU. So what are your thoughts, Tom Herman? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, that was the one thing that I think would have kept
2: Tom Herman uh, in Houston. I, I, I think that you were dealing with two things. The first thing that you were dealing with was uh, was the bonus. If, if, uh, if uh, Big 12 invited Houston, then – Tom Herman was going to get a bonus, so would uh, Kelvin Sampson, the basketball coach, as a matter of fact. But the thing was, in order to earn a a seven-figure bonus for getting that invite, they had to stay at the school. So that, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to go, but it also, Tom Herman's not going to be a guy lacking for big opportunities in another year or two, I wouldn't think. And so it would give him justification to stay, get that seven-figure bonus, however, however much ultimately it turned out to be and then move on from there. But if they're not going to, going to invite Houston, it's a big incentive off the table for Tom Herman to go. Now, I you know, I, I have no doubt that LSU is going to put a bug in his ear that he's the number one candidate. I have no doubt. I mean, think about this. Les Miles is, is going to be out, and LSU, yeah, they're going to have to give him some change out the door. But as we talked about earlier, LSU's not hurting for money. I'd be willing to bet they can come up with a little bit more of a raise than Houston would be able to provide. Honestly, and we talked about this before we even started recording, fellas. Uh, Tom Herman kind of came out as the 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 hot tier name before this even started, and now we're finding out that the biggest pause button on the Tom Herman discussion might be out the window at this point. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think while Les Miles is on a plane uh, in uh, in West Virginia, even might be sitting in the office right now, kind of. Rubbing those uh, rubbing those fingers together and thinking this is a uh, this is a pretty nice little development for the purple and gold. All
0: right. So is that your is, number one choice, Tom Herman, or no, or Petrino? or Petrino, Uh, well, I mean, I think I
2: think Jimbo Fisher has to be the number one choice at this point. I mean, I know FSU had their uh, had their struggle in that Louisville game, and and I know right now defense is is a joke in Tallahassee. I imagine Charles Kelly's on his way out sooner rather than later in Tallahassee, and and things will look much much better, but. He's also a guy that's kept Florida State in the top ten for a handful of years now. He's a guy that's developed, what are we at, three consecutive uh, NFL quarterbacks at this point. So I think Jimbo Fisher would be the guy if LSU could have anybody. I just don't think he's leaving Tallahassee. Uh, a couple of names we didn't get into that I think LSU would consider. I think, what do you guys think about Hugh Freeze uh, being considered? Mm. Uh, I, and- I was
0: going to ask you about uh, wild cards. You know, Jeff Brom at Western Kentucky, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. Who, yep. who are your wild cards that might you know sneak in? I think I think Hugh Freeze uh, is is probably
2: a guy that could could very well sneak in. I think there's a a couple of other names that that might speak uh, sneak in there. I think that uh, Chris Peterson is a is a phone call away. I don't think he's uh, I don't think the, the the move really fits his mo down there in Baton Rouge, but it's worth the phone call. Uh, how how about Brett Bielema? I mean, Arkansas has had success against LSU. I mean, he's a he's a possibility. I know I hear laughing, uh, I, but again. Uh, keep in mind that uh, Arkansas pursued Miles at one point, and there was discussion that uh, at the same time, Houston Nutt was a possibility for the, uh, for the candidacy there in LSU before Les Miles got there. So, I mean, Brett Bielema was on the table, and then Gary Patterson uh, over at TCU. Now, I think he's pretty much a lifer. There's not many active coaches yeah. who get a statue erected of themselves at the stadium that they're currently coaching games in. I can think of uh, uh, who, him, Bobby, and Nick, and, and I can't really off the top of my head think of anybody else. Uh, but I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big moves up from TC to LSU as well. So, uh, I would say those guys and, and then maybe David Shaw would be kind of my, uh, my outsiders.
0: All right. Okay. Well, again, you can, uh, you can find Rob on Twitter at the Rob Brown show. Correct. Yeah, at the Rob
2: Brown Show on Twitter, I talk.
0: Uh,
2: I talk a lot of college football, a lot of NFL football. Big Saints fan, although I don't really want to admit it in public right this second. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> I do uh, do a lot of professional ta- uh, wrestling talk for all the rest of you grown-ups who still watch Monday Night Raw religiously, like I do. Uh, and then uh, you know we like to make fun of other people's politics every now and then. So we uh, we have a good time, as the kids say.
0: Perfection. All right, we'll be on the lookout for that podcast. And thanks again, Rob, for joining us on House of Heroes. My pleasure, fella. It's been a hero. i got another rum drink to
2: make, so I'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. All right. Next up, let's take a look at last weekend's route of Kent State, where your tie did cover the spread. Uh, Really an unfortunate unfolding of circumstances where a video review uh, took away from us the coveted backdoor cover in the fourth quarter. Uh, We are going to get to the main storylines of that game, but first, what the listeners, or, uh, well, wow. listener, hey, Dad. Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. Um, Where the listeners came from, came for, let's rate that game in an emoji. I've got that emoji for
0: you. That emoji is the ambulance. Uh, because here's the deal, I hate these games, man. Yeah. There is nothing to gain from them. Uh, generally, we, okay, in this, ex, in this example, we did clean up some sloppiness, but that's all that's happened. And it always seems like we get up, we get beaten up, In the games that mean the least. Uh, But in the end, we lost Damian Harris, who was sprained ankle, who is now day-to-day, which really sucks for him because he is a Kentucky native, and I'm sure he'd have liked to have shown out next week.
1: Yeah, that would have been really fun. Did you happen to see the headline out of Kentucky today that was something along the lines of Here's why Damian Harris chose Alabama over Kentucky? Oh, no, I did not. Like, a lot of people are asking that question. Right. <coughs> right huh. Like, somehow that
0: was a choice. wonder why he decided to go play football at Alabama. I did not. Well, I, I, did, you, I, did you see his Instagram from when he first got to Tuscaloosa? I don't remember. All right. He had an Instagram pop up. He was in one of the trophy rooms. You know, there are so many who can count anymore. Right. But probably over in the east wing of the trophy room. <laughs> and he was surrounded by trophies. And his Instagram was, this is why I chose Alabama. Oh yeah so the is already out there on the internet there you go there you no can find anything
1: go. on the internet yeah. if you try hard enough that's right now that injury did look uh sort of horrific at the time he took a helmet right to the side of the knee mm-hmm. um some random sports doctor <coughs> has a bunch of followers was speculating his mcl got strained uh but yeah after the game saban said day to day so i haven't heard any news. right his fingers crossed
0: and, and one thing that and this is the only source that i've heard it from uh The later that day after the game, ESPN was reporting that he would be available for the Kentucky game. Now, I don't know where they got that information because it certainly wasn't from anybody. Sources. Right. But nevertheless, one source does say that he's available. Meanwhile, our coach uh, and all of our staff is saying he's day-to-day. So anyway, that is why uh, the ambulance
1: is the emoji of the week. What about yourself? That's a hot take, and I've just got to give it a straight thumbs-down emoji. Right. Um, you really sort of took the words out of my out of my mouth. I just wish we didn't play these games. You and I have had this discussion before, and may get into it briefly. Do we have to play cupcakes? Is that part of a college football season? A necessary part? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think you have to dredge the bottom of the barrel. Right. Uh, I think you
0: can play and sh- and shout out to uh, the guy uh, the guys that Pete Carroll was, was right where. One of the guys is a Rice grad. I think you can play teams like Rice, Northwestern, uh, the Wake Forests of the world. The smart and, schools. Right. Play the smart schools. Uh, and I, you probably don't have to pay them as much, number one. But number two, what I really would like to see is uh, play the Troys and the South Alabamas and the Jacksonville States of the world and keep the money in state. Uh, and I actually think that you know, they would bring some more people uh, and maybe the stadium won't be quite as empty at half, at
1: half time as it was for the Kent State game, yeah, it was a billion degrees out there, so I'm not gonna hate on the students this time. Right. Um, I I don't know. I respect Saban trying to give his alma mater a paycheck, right. but at some point, at what cost does it come from Alabama? Right. Yeah. And I, I I I do give a, give a pass on the
0: Kent State. Yes, collection, But they're but they're not the only ones. You know, we don't we don't need to be playing Chattanooga all the time. Charleston, uh, so, you know, the, yeah. yeah, Charleston Southern. These teams when they're perfectly reasonable power five teams that are frankly worse than western kentucky yeah we, exactly. we play uh and we you know and get a little bit more respect for hey they played you know wake forest isn't good but at least it's a power it's an ACC school uh rather than you know people ha- mocking us for playing you know charleston southern and western kentucky yeah so that's my hot take on that
1: well, hot indeed uh let's move along to The big storylines from the game, because there were kind of some notable happenings, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have – I think there are two main ones, and I'll talk about one. You
0: can talk about the other one. Uh, Mine is generally the freshman. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is not really a story anymore, but he is a true freshman, and he is – I can't remember when, maybe it was two weeks ago for the Ole Miss game that he was player, offensive player of the week. One of the first times a freshman, a true freshman, has been that. Uh, but emerging out of the catch state game was one Joshua Jacobs, unheralded kid from nowhere, McLean, Oklahoma. Ran for 98 yards and 11 carries, uh, filling in for Damian Harris, who with the formation sprained ankle, and Bo Scarborough, who had a bruised thigh and we think could have returned if needed, but didn't. Um, and there's an interesting little story about Joshua Jacobs. He, nobody had ever heard of him. They'd never put that high school has hadn't put anybody in a power five school in like 10 years Wow. and nobody was hearing about this kid. And so finally his head, they were trying to get the word out, but had no idea how to do it. And apparently his head coach had a relationship with somebody at rivals and asked them what to do. So he said, well, you need to get on the social media, get yourself a Twitter account start posting videos and apparently that's what worked because after, you know in at around signing day after all of that he got offers from Alabama Oklahoma Missouri and fortunately he had it our way so uh, that's you know the power of the social media and getting the getting uh, you know getting a kid uh, exposed to people he may not have been exposed to before but the other one obviously is Xavier marks with a true freshman return for a touch punt return for a touchdown uh, which it was pretty fantastic. However, he did just stare at two punts as they just bounced across the field, costing us field position, but you know, you can't fault him. He's a freshman. He's got to learn, but yeah, you, you, I mean, the return for the touchdown was fantastic, but at the same time, you can't just sit there and watch a punt, just wander into the distance.
1: Yeah. And he got, uh, what has now become the famous Nick Saban, Ash chewing for those. So hopefully just a learning opportunity (laughs) there. Um, your posing their... you the
0: question: Would you chew that ass? Would which you... seems to which seems to be a, <laughs> a weekly theme on the Street Heroes podcast. Uh, yeah, would have chewed that ass on that.
1: I would have chewed that ass myself
0: yeah, as well. Have, that yeah. was fair.
1: All, All right, right, who else? What else, what other things we got? Well, I was going to touch quickly on your freshman yeah. points and the running backs in particular. Um, Jacob's a three star, and I want to say I'm I'm looking at. 24-7 now. I can't find it, but I think maybe he was committed to, like, New Mexico or New Mexico State. Yeah, he had um, gotten offers from uh, a triple-A, whatever they're called, Division three, and a couple of double-A schools. That's, that's amazing. I mean, he looks fantastic. I don't know how much credit of that is our offensive line or what have you, but um, really, really impressive start past couple of weeks for him. And secondly, the Bo Scarborough thing, I don't want to be that guy, but... Be that guy. I'm sort of on here as that guy. Be that guy. Uh, I thought Bo's injury gave a little glimpse into, and I I did air quotes when I said injury, uh, a little glimpse into maybe what he's shown in practice because obviously he has missed a ton of time with some very serious injuries, but there always is just a little more to the story on him where it seems like even when he's healthy, he's not quite healthy And he basically just took a tackle. I mean, he jumped, and the guy hit his thigh pretty good. I don't want to take that hit, but I think that's a fairly standard hit in D1 college football. Uh, And the fact that he had to come out of the game for a little while I thought was a bit uh, telling and concerning. I will concur with you on that. We talked about this
0: last year, I think, when Bo was coming in, and you know, he'd been to every high school in America, and then... You know, the the concern about Bo is never size, was never talent. Right. It was always squirrels in his head. And, you know, I I I I don't like I said, I don't know the man, but it maybe he's decided he's a bigger deal than he actually is, uh, because you are gonna have to prove it on the field and there is uh, a wealth of talent, you know, behind him as you know, it as shown with Mr. Jacobs. So, you know, if Bo wants to uh fulfill his potential because he could be a legit NFL star if he decided he wanted to be. But like I said, uh, there, and I'm purely speculating right now, but there are some squirrels in Bo Scarborough's head. And if he wants to be the star that he, he thinks he should be, then he's going to start, have to start playing
1: like it. Actual squirrels. Squirrels. Um, yeah. If you had told me before the season that after game four, he would have 26 attempts for 87 yards I would have put us at about 2-2 two and two and with some real problems on offense, uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously not the case. He's just not the guy. So mm-hmm. He's got yeah. plenty of time to develop. Absolutely. 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 All That's right, what I else we got? What are some of the things? Yeah, the other thing, my sort of big takeaway was we finally saw some progress in cleaning up the penalties uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks. Sabin has been screaming for three weeks now about penalties that were I mean, almost 100% mental errors, even in the big wins, whether it was uh, false starts or offsides or Ronnie Harrison running his mouth, what have you. Um, But this week narrowed it down to just two penalties, Uh, notably when Alphonse Shank Taylor, he of clear DUI fame, uh, got called for a false start. He was immediately pulled from the game in favor of Lester Cotton, which I think sort of provides us with an interesting little race there. You got any takes?
0: Yeah. I, I, as much as I like Shank, I'm a huge fan of Lester Cotton. Uh, he's, we, I think we talked about it last week. A lot of raw talent. He's not particularly uh, sophisticated in position right now uh, and needs some development. My, But my God, it's a huge body. Uh, if he develops, he could be a really, really big deal. Um, and one thing that we did not, and this is probably not relevant to this T- discussion, but Tony Brown is back. Tony Brown is back. Yeah.
1: Where, so, where is his place on the field at
0: this point? I, I don't know where he, I mean, we certainly can always use the help in, you know, in defensive backfield. So, um, you know, so I don't know, but I don't know where he, I don't know where he's going to end up lining up, uh, because we were actually seem to be playing pretty well back there for
1: once. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we may not have had a podcast last week. Nobody seemed to notice. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, except, except Charlie Pond, shout Charlie, out. To Charlie yeah, Pond. shout out, that's true. At Charles Pond mm-hmm. uh, did pull three for us. But, um, no, I thought it was very curious that Ole Miss targeted Marlon Humphreys regularly. They did. And, yeah. and I don't know if that was a matchup they liked or if that was just sort of how things played out. But, I, I mean, my first thought would have been to go after Averett. Yeah, and I, I think would,
0: that's... And I don't, I'm not a defensive backfield specialist by any means. But if I'm replacing somebody, it's Averett. Right, I would think
1: so. Um, And I don't uh, know if Tony Brown fits in that position or not. But then Uh, after the USC game, I can't really put my finger on a time where Averett has let us down. No. Uh, So I think on the nickel, somehow they'll work Tony Brown onto the field, but his spot is not nearly as secure as I would have thought.
0: Yeah, and from what I understand from, you know, my, you know, Tuscaloosa hot sauces. Tony Brown is not Nick Saban's favorite player anyway. Well, there's that. Yeah, so he's going to have to earn his way back onto the field for sure. Which probably starts on special teams, so be on the lookout there, I think. Exactly. All right, well, moving on to one of the more important uh, segments in the podcast is the weekly uh, What Did Stingray Do This Week? Our nemesis, Stingray. That's right.
1: Tell us about it. it. Noted nemesis, Stingray. This one just keeps producing uh, the stuff. Uh, Stingray, most notably this week, lost his AD. Hilarious. L-O-L. Uh, his boy, Scott Strickland, who has turned Mississippi State into a stylish Southern <laughs> UMass. Is that fair?
0: Well, they did get, uh, UMass did give them all they could handle, which was, uh, ter- you know, that was, uh, sort of unexpected. but In Amherst. In Amherst, yeah, and I'm yeah. glad you,
1: yeah, I'm glad you know where UMass is because you're the one. That's a trivia there. Um, uh-huh. So he tweeted out a picture of him giving a thumbs up uh, with his buddy Scott Strickland. They're wearing name tags. It looks very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and I will point out that Stingray is again wearing his University of Alabama graduation ring. God, which just yeah 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 just stop Stingray, just stop right. Exactly. Uh, secondly, he also volunteered to take the LSU head coaching job.
0: Now that I could
1: get behind, (laughs) I could get behind that. Seeing right on the sidelines, everybody says that we're losing so much, uh, so much character with less miles. We could get that right back. That's solid gold right there. Yeah. So that's about it. All right. Good
0: enough. Want to move along to the game at hand? I wish we would. Uh, why don't you set the scene for us? All right, brothers. It, it is homecoming week in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and uh, yours truly will be in attendance, possibly for my last game of the year. Say it before, ain't so. I know, before I head to the dysfunctional state of Guatemala. Hope to see your heroes there at Druid City Brewing Company on Saturday. Or FYI, you can come to the Dexatine Show at Druid City Music Hall on Friday night. Ooh. If you haven't, yeah, I know, right? If you haven't seen the Dexatines... They are one of the originators of the Tuscaloosa music scene, and they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would urge you to get on out to the music hall. It's next to Egan's on the Strip, and check them out. But yeah, I'll be there uh, in rare form on Saturday. And in fact, you will get to see Trader Swift. Uh, she will be up wow. there. Yeah, I'm even bringing the trailer. So,
1: you know, party in the parking lot, pals. Who could turn that down? And I wasn't aware of that. Is Druid City Music, music Hall what was formerly Jupiter and a million other things? That
0: is okay. If you walk out of Egan's, it's to the left. Yeah, is that what that is? I believe I so. Think, yeah, Jupiter, I think, is right. Yeah, Interesting. but yeah, if you walk out of, if, you, if you're facing Egan's, it is on
1: your right. If you walk out of Egan's, it is on your left. Okay, well, our friends and sponsors at Druid City Brewing are trendsetters. Exactly. Uh, exactly. From what I gathered from our various sauces, the game last Saturday was akin to sitting basically directly on the sun. I guess you could say, man, it's a hot one. Uh-huh, seven inches, bro. Uh, but the football gods have granted us a beautiful reprieve this weekend, and the Kentucky game will be a 6 p.m. Central time, a.k.a. God's time start. All right, so you can get nice and toasty. Uh, you got all day to
0: uh, plan pre-game. pregame. Uh, but for the game itself, Alice, what should we look for when Alabama
1: has the ball? Uh, if I had to put it in a few words, I would say a whole lot of football points. Uh, Kentucky's run defense is 113th in the country, which on first glance sounds pretty bad until you consider that their pass defense is 116th in the country. Uh, was- Lee Corso, if you're listening to game day, I think this past week called them the worst defense in college football. And, and granted the things that come out of Corso's mouth these days are taken with a grain of salt, but this one seems to be a accurate, inaccurate take. Uh, In every game coming into South Carolina, they have allowed over 500 yards, but somehow they held South Carolina to 10 points on 268 (laughs) yards. So probably says more about your boy, Coach Boom, Will Muschamp's Mm -hmm. team uh, than it does Mark Stoops' team. Uh, We don't know if this is a result of Stoops taking over the defense against South Carolina Uh, after they allowed New Mexico State, aforementioned New Mexico State, to score 42 points, which is just mind-blowing. Or if South Carolina's offense is just that bad, I would probably say that they're just that bad. But they had that one game. Who knows? Maybe it's an upward trend. Uh, Could be getting a little better, but certainly can't be getting any worse.
0: That is absolutely the case. Uh, When Kentucky has the ball... You might also look for some football points mm-hmm. there because at some point it was noted that Florida scored. What was what was the stat was, on that? It was
1: I think at I think it was a final, like whole game stat that Kentucky's quarterback completed more passes to Florida defenders than he did to Kentucky receivers. That's unfortunate. Yeah.
0: Uh, right. so when Kentucky has the ball, uh they have wrecked up three hundred and fifty-one yards in spite of a minus two. Turnover ratio while going up against the Southeastern Conference fourth best scoring defense in South Carolina, which is not terrible. Uh, running backs Boom Williams, Jojo Kemp, and freshman sensation Benny Snell Jr. are proving to be a pretty formidable little three-headed monster. Uh, Williams went over went for over 300 yards for the second time this season against South Carolina, uh rushing for 123 yards on 15 carries. Snell seemed pretty stubborn. Uh, didn't want to be tackled, rocking up 77 yards. Kentucky is quarterbacked by a run-pass option guy by the name of Steven Johnson, who you would think run-pass option would provide better stats, but yet he was 4 of 11 for 135 yards against South Carolina. However, they didn't complete a pass in the fourth quarter because they didn't seem to need to. Uh, I have an idea that he will need to against the Tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, a, one quick stat is he was stat- sacked four times in the South Carolina game. Uh, and South Carolina's defense is fine, but it's not the University of Alabama's defense. So that doesn't really speak particularly well of Kentucky's offensive line. So there's that. So that's yeah. what you can look for.
1: Yeah, that that none of that sounds great, but I've got to say maybe one of the best running back, best-named running back stables in college football, Boom Williams, JoJo Kemp, and Benny Snell Jr. It's like the Rat Pack. you got to like it. you got to like it. I love it. that. Next up, yeah, we have our most exciting segment, I would say. One that is very timely and relevant and uh, full of hashtag research. Mm -hmm. Heroes history. Heroes history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's talk about it. As most
0: Alabama fans know, Coach Paul W. Bryant coached Kentucky in the 1950s, where over a three-year stretch, he led the Wildcats to the Orange, Sugar, and Cotton Bowls, including one undefeated season. Uh, Now, the... Interesting thing about this, the, the cute little history notions, is why Bryant left Kentucky. It's sort of a rumor mill. Uh, this is Kentucky during Adolf Rupp's heyday, and so you know, basketball was and remains king at Kentucky during that time frame. And there is a persistent story that Bryant told at a football banquet that Kentucky gave Rupp a big four-door Cadillac while they gave him a cigarette lighter. Now, it turns out that story isn't really true. Uh, it's just one Bryant told for a laugh at banquets. But it prob- the reason he actually left is there was this giant widespread uh, gambling investigation by the NCAA regarding Kentucky's uh, basketball program. But apparently it was filtering into the football program as well. And seeing the writing on the walls, he got out of the program before the hammer, held, had,
1: hammer fell university-wide. Huh. I... uh. I've always heard that story, and now i got to say, I feel like everything I know is a lie. Exactly. I am here to spread the truth. It, it also just seems so unfathomable that Kentucky basketball would do anything that was, you know, sort of slightly bending the rule book. I know. I'm very, shocked. Very, very curious indeed. I'm shocked. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Finishing up, the Tide, your Tide, currently leads the series 36-2-1. and one. I will repeat that. 36 Two and one. Uh, Frankly, though, it's even uglier than that. There was a span from 1935 through 1944, uh, during which the teams played nine times. And Kentucky was shut out seven of those times. Nine times. Nine times. Yeah. Uh, Actually, even if you take that out a little bit on both sides, during an 11, or I'm sorry, during a 17-year span, there were 11 shutouts. So these were not um, sort of just trends. it was it was a thing. Okay. Uh, there was that one time though. Damn Tim Couch, damn him, Damn Tim Couch, and who we now know is apparently an offensive mastermind, one Hal mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they led the cats to a victory over the tide in 1997. Uh, Forty to thirty-four was the final. The next day, the New York Times ran a huge headline that said, "After seventy-five years, Kentucky knocks off Alabama." Uh, your Tide was ranked twentieth at the time, and got to give a shout out to old Mike Dubose, aka Old Dirty Clapper. God, the original finger oh. spread clapper. He was. He, I'm, I, I, that's the thing. He doesn't get it's, enough credit for that. He does
0: not get enough credit. That's the one thing he does not get enough credit for. <laughs> is he? He, he originated.
1: The uh, finger-spread clap, and you gotta, you got to give him props for that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there was that. One last little neat fact in our Houndstooth History segment. Uh, you know, much has always been made of Coach Bryant's Junction Boys. There was maybe like the first 30 for 30 or some knockoff weird ESPN film they did uh, about his time at Texas a and But did you know, and I would venture to guess listener Fred did not Uh, He also held a very similar preseason camp uh, that was just as infamous while he was at Kentucky. Uh, Those practices were at Millersburg Military Institute. And on the first day of that practice, 21 guys dropped out of the team. Ah, In short, Coach Bryant did not play. He he did not play. All right, well, speaking of playing, uh, you want to get to the
0: weekend at hand Mm -hmm. and, oh, let's talk about some hates and the hate of the week.
1: Of the week, of the week, of the week. Exactly,
0: exactly. All right, let's start in Nashville, Tennessee with your Vanderbilt Commodores who are getting four and a half points from the Florida Gators. Who do you hate, my friend?
1: Anchor down, pal. Uh, Fresh off an overtime victory against the aforementioned Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Very good D1 program. Um, I think somehow... Derek Mason over there is realizing that his job may not be as secure as he's always believed. Uh, I think Vandy's getting it together, but more importantly, I think Florida is just going to be totally wrecked. Uh, they had all their eggs in the basket of beating Tennessee, and when an 11-year streak snaps, uh, I think it part of your soul snaps with it, at least for one more week. So I don't know if Doors win, but I think they cover four and a half. Hayton Dugada. What you got? I
0: just, uh, I I like your logic. I mean, Florida had the Tennessee game. They just pissed it <laughs> away. <laughs> so I, I get the logic. But at the same time, it's still Vanderbilt. And I think that I think Florida can go up there and cover the four and a half. So I'm going to hate on the doors. It, it is surely
1: to be a home game, I would think, here.
0: Right. I hear you. Uh, Vol is traveling to Athens, Georgia, where Tennessee is favored by three and one half <laughs> football points. I'm sorry. This beer just went down the wrong hole. Ah, uh, anyway, three and a half football points ball is favored. And who do you hate?
1: Went down your bourbon pipe. Exactly. Uh, I, this I, we say we say this once a month. I would say this line totally baffles me. Uh, right. If if we're fans of the transitive property, and I shouldn't have started this sentence without knowing what the final score of Ole Miss UGA was, but it feels like Ole Miss won by thirty. It was it was a lot. Let's call yeah. it let's call it twenty-five. That yeah. still puts Vol at a twenty-one point advantage over Ole Miss, which is totally absurd, as is the transitive property. Uh, but I think if you consider the way both teams are playing, Vol is guaranteed to have a garbage first half. Georgia is guaranteed to have a garbage four quarters. Uh, I think Vol pulls away pretty easily, pretty late, and covers that easily. Gonna call this one my hate of. The week. Son. Yeah. I am going to join you,
0: not in the hate of the week, but in hating on the Bulldog. I'm kind of worried about Kirby over there. Uh, Yeah. He's not. I I don't. It's a first-year coach, so, you know, that is what it is. But uh, hes I expected more of a fight against Ole Miss. I didn't expect him to beat Ole Miss at home. But uh, they're not doing exactly what I thought they would do and what everybody else thought they would do. Uh, so I think I agree with you. I think Vol goes into Athens and pulls out the W.
1: Yeah, and frankly and I, I credit Nick Saban for this I just don't think Athens is a very intimidating place to play anymore. Not really yet. Yeah, and, and one more point that we did lose to Louisiana Monroe huh. that first year with the first year coach. Good point, good point, good point. Uh, anywho, right. uh, next up the suddenly hot and maybe a contender, Texas a m Aggie, are visiting South Carolina. And Coach Boom's team is getting 17 and a half points. Who you hate? Dude, I hate the cock. So uh,
0: there is just not... Uh, 17 and a half seems low. Like, by, like 15 points low. I have no idea how South Carolina is going to score points. Aggies defense has become pretty formidable. Uh, that's a top 10 team. I, it took them four years to finally become an SEC, a, a team that looks like a Southeastern Conference team, but they've done it. Uh, I am really impressed with what Texas A&M is bringing to the table. Uh, I think they go into Columbia and just blow the cock out. So I'm hating on South <laughs> Carolina a lot.
1: really wish you hadn't have said that. Yeah, you know. Uh, speaking of blowing mean? the cock. Right, that, that that is John Chavis there. Uh, so I've got to say, always gives me a nice bit of confidence to know that he'll figure out what works in the first like three games and then just stick to that the rest of the season, come hell or high water. Uh, so not too concerning later on. I got to say, Aggie, this has to be the luckiest SEC draw in quite some time. It really um, is. Yeah, I mean, I would. There's nobody I would rather play than South Carolina. Uh, so I, as well, hate the cock. Aggie should cover 17 and a half.
0: All right, moving on from blowing the cock. Let's talk about Memphis, who is getting 14 points as they tr- as they roll into uh, delightful Oxford Mississippi against the Ole Miss Rebels. Who do you hate here, my pal? Uh,
1: I just got to hate Memphis. I think they lost their, their coach and their quarterback, and while they're not a <laughs> bad team, i um, Ole Miss will be beat up, but I I think they're on a roll, and I think their offense is just too sort of well-oiled when they're playing well. They may not play well the whole game, but when they've got it together, I think they could go up four touchdowns like that and probably not have to look back the rest of the game.
0: I'm going to hate the Rebs, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Memphis has... Blown out its last two teams, and I could not for the life of you tell you who they are. No. But they were they blew out. I know one of them was Kansas, and Kansas is ass. But then they played somebody else who was also ass. But they're winning by like fifty points. And you know, I, I think they're coming in with a lot of confidence. I don't think they win the game, but I do think they have enough to keep it within fourteen at Ole Miss. That's
1: that's big credit, but I'll allow it. Okay. You want to go to the next one? Let's go to the next one. Down in Death Valley, suddenly coachless (coughs) Death Valley. Uh, The Mizzou Tigers are coming where they are 13-point dogs uh, to the Bayou Bengals. Who you hate?
0: I'm going to hate Mizzou. If it was anybody else, I'd hate LSU. Mizzou is so bad. Uh, DeCocho has a history of doing good things when he's brought in as an interim head coach, he did it at USC. Um, I, so I think he's got something to prove. I think he's also trying to win that job at LSU. He's not going to get it, but he's nevertheless going to give it a, give it a go. So I think you're going to get one of the coach's best coaching performances. And I think they're going to end up blowing out Mizzou. What about yourself? Who do you hate? I'm
1: with you. Despite Mizzou's, uh, Overwhelming 79 to nothing victory last week against the vaunted Delaware State. Trivia question Do you know the Delaware State mascot? Well, it's the Hornets, dude. Oh, well played. Right? Yes. Right? Uh, 79 to nothing over <laughs> the vaunted Delaware State Hornets. Uh, they'll surely be riding high, but here's, I mean, LSU <laughs> has the athletes, and surely to goodness, with Cam Cameron finally out of Baton Rouge. They're just going to open the playbook, have some fun. I mean, it would it would be a smart business decision for Fournette to just sort of fall over on the first play and spend the rest of the season on the sideline. Right. But I think he'll run for a bajillion yards. I think they'll pass for a bajillion yards for the first time ever. Uh, I like the Tigers big. So do
0: I. All right, finally, your Crimson Tide is giving 34 points to the Kentucky Wildcats on a homecoming weekend in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Who do you hate, my friend?
1: Man, I, I just get sad, like you pointed out earlier, thinking about Damian Harris and how much this game would surely mean to him. Uh, would be fun to see. I wouldn't be surprised if our offense, you know, doesn't um, doesn't make any top tens for, for SportsCenter or game day or anything of that nature. But a night game? which is going to be awesome, our first one of the year at home. uh, A night game with the way the defense is playing. I suspect the defense scores. I'll say defense special teams. I'm going to put it at three touchdowns. Wow. Maybe two from the D, one from the ST, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hertz will will do his thing, and I hope just to see a little bit more crispness from everybody uh, as the season sort of starts to pick up from here. I like the Tide. To shut out the cats, continuing a long tradition of shutouts, uh, and win about 40 to nothing, uh, again mostly relying on the defense and special teams.
0: I hear you. you I hate? too, I'm hating on the cats. In fact, so much that this is my hate of the week. Burr, 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 an Alabama hate of the week. Uh, it's it's rare, but here it is. Wow. Kentucky plays number one horribly on the road. Yeah. Number two, they cannot and. and I have to assume that the South Carolina game uh, defensively was an anomaly for them yeah. Uh, because South Carolina just can't score and we can score. Uh, So I just don't see, unless we pull the starters, you know, early in the, in in the second half, I just don't see how Kentucky keeps it within 34. I'm saying 51 to 10, 10 whole points. I, you know, garbage points, you know, who knows? I think they get a field goal, and then in the fourth quarter, they get a garbage. They get a garbage touchdown time, somehow. 80, kind of eighty yeah, Pi kind of, flag football team has been brought in. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that's where I, that's where I think we stand, and that will do it for another edition of House Tooth Heroes. Remember, you can catch us on the website at housetoothheroes.com. dot com. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at
1: H Two Heroes. Thanks again for joining us. Take us home, my brother. All right. Well, if you thought this was Just literally the worst podcast you have ever wasted time listening to. Uh, The way to voice that is to go on iTunes, look us up, uh, Houndstooth Heroes is the name, and then just give it five stars and voice your opinions there. But other than that, we'll try to do better next time. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.